Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. What is the quantum self? Where does reincarnation come in? Can we spiritualize everything, including politics? There's a thought. Oh, well, hello and welcome to the 220th edition, or 720th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno here on ON 1240 Radio, celebrating 70 years of broadcasting here in New England's beautiful and snowy Blackstone River Valley. I'm Ben, and those quantum questions came from my co-host, partner in the paranormal, and Father Paul. And today uh, we are welcoming back a returning guest on the subject that's pretty out there, and uh, we welcome your calls and emails during the show. Numbers are 800-449-1240 from anywhere in the U.S. or Canada, or if you'd like to send an email, it's uh, paul at behindtheparanormal.com for those. Dr. Amit Goswami is a theoretical quantum physicist, now retired from a full professorship at the University of Oregon, where he taught from 1968 to 1997. He is a pioneer among the growing number of scientists who have been moving beyond scientific materialism to bring consciousness, consciousness that is, and spirituality into our understanding of the multiverse and ourselves. This idea, known as science within consciousness, was brilliantly brought forth in Dr. Goswami's 1993 book, The Self-Aware Universe, How Consciousness Creates the Material World, which was a major influence on my own thinking about the paranormal and where it fits in the human experience. He has written at least a dozen other books that I know of, and today we will concern ourselves with his latest, The Everything Answer Book, How Quantum Science Explains Love, Death, and the Meaning of Life. This is his third appearance on Behind the Paranormal. His website, amitgoswami.org. That's A-M-I-T-G-O-S-W-A-M-I.org. So, Dr. Goswami, welcome back to Behind the Paranormal. Thanks for having me again. Oh, well, it's great to have you. So let's uh, let's get started with the races, shall we? With a seemingly simple question, but probably not so simple. So what is a quantum, and what is quantum science? Okay, quantum, the beginning of it is so innocuous. Uh, quantum means a discrete quantity. The revolutionary aspect of it becomes clear when we realize that the word was used to denote the fact that energy consists of this discrete quantity. And then we notice that matter also consists of these discrete quantities that we call elementary particles. So summarize, energy and matter both consist of discrete entities that we can call elementary particles or quanta. So what is evolutionary about that? What is evolutionary is that some forms of energy, like light, is also waves. It has been known for hundreds of years, even before it was posited that light consists of quanta, that uh, light is a wave. So how can light be quanta, particle, and also wave? Waves spread out, but particles don't spread out. Particles have to stay one place at a time, even when they are moving. They move in a trajectory. So this, is, uh, this was regarded as a paradox. And the unveiling of that paradox gave us this wonderful world of quantum physics where we can explain the paranormal where communication consists not only of signals that go through space and time, but also communication without signals that we call non-locality. And this is revolutionizing not only uh, science, but also all of our social problems and um, indeed, um, you know, in this book, Everything Answer book, I claim that every problem, every human problem can be solved with this quantum worldview. So you mentioned that, that, that social problems can be solved with um, sort, sort of a quantum uh, worldview, if you will. So what's, what's wrong with the way um, people in modern society see the world, uh, each other, and themselves? Well, take the case of America, because it's very close to us, right? Mm. And here there is a worldview polarization. On one hand, there is a religious worldview, which holds that there is a super-duper almighty human being-like figure named God, uh, who sits on a throne in heaven, um, but is really a white-bearded guy and uh, very benevolent. So it's not, you know, it does not use its power um, to harm people, but instead help people. So that's, that's a pretty nice image, but it's a very simplistic image. 
So modern science takes the opposite view. The world is just material, nothing to it. It's matter moving in space and time, no intelligence, no God, nothing of that sort. No meaning, no purpose. And so these two have been adopted by the two political parties. Uh, one is the Democrats, who are mainly the scientific materialists, uh, although they pretend to believe in God, many of the politicians, but they don't, you know. They are all believers of scientific materialism. And then there are the Republicans who don't believe in evolution, don't believe in science at all. Um, they uh, tend to believe in, in that simplistic image of Christianity. Uh, and that, of course, also is very dangerous philosophy because, you know, this God being a white bearded guy means a white supremacist has a point. And that doesn't help much in living in peace with all the races either. So if we live between a rock and a hard place. Quantum worldview says that, look, the, both of the isms are wrong. Yes, uh, there is a God, but it is within quotation marks. This God is not a super-duper human being, almighty white person. It is um, a God which is a unity being, a being of unity. And quantum physics verifies this idea that, yes, there is a being where everything is one. All things lose their separateness and they just live in this oneness. That oneness we can call God if we want, but no need. We can also call it consciousness. You can identify it as our consciousness. That is the deepest level. So uh, this view that is coming directly from experimental data that verifies quantum physics is changing our worldview so completely that we can now um, redefine politics. Obviously, if this is true, then we should search for unity. In other words, the way the American politics was conducted before this polarization became so absolute, that's the right way of doing politics. In fact, American democracy succeeded because it has that element built than other forms of democracy, um, namely that people could be friendly, people could have their individual opinions, and therefore they could they could negotiate. They, they don't have to follow the party line all the time, which produces polarization. But today we have forgotten that. And, and so somehow the founding fathers and the way that we operated earlier was more conducive towards the quantum worldview than it is now. And this all can change and it must change. This is the truth. All right. Well, <coughs> I, I, <coughs> excuse me. I must say that... Um I um, we don't get into politics in this show, but I can't help but agree with you, Doctor, on, on those points. There are several terms that perhaps ought to be explained, but that we uh, certainly agree with, it, and they've been present in your writings for many years, and they certainly have affected me. Uh, that is terms you have used already. Uh, one of them is non-locality. Uh, can you explain non-locality for those who might not understand it? Absolutely. It, it, it jars you a little bit because you are using technical words, but locality, the name locality suggests that communication in space and time takes place through signals that go through the locality before it reaches further distances. In other words, the signal has to leave the source and then go a little bit at a time through space, taking always a finite amount of time. So this is called communication with local signals. Communication with space and time has to be like this. This is the lesson we have learned from theory of relativity. And this is also experimentally verified. So now people have additionally found experimentally that there are uh, communications that are instantaneous. So then it follows that this instantaneous communication could not occur to space and time where communication must use signals and signals must have a speed limit less than the speed of light or equal to the speed of light. And so uh, how is this communication, uh, instant communication taking place? So we have to understand that there is another domain of reality where no signal is needed. And this no signal is needed means that oneness that I talked about. Because you can communicate with yourself without any signal and only with yourself. Therefore, this domain of reality, the entire domain, has nothing but itself. And that is, of course, the definition of oneness. So okay. there is a domain of oneness outside of space and time, and there is also space and time. In space and time, we are separate. In the domain of oneness, 
which is also the domain of potentiality in quantum physics. That's the one. So in this way, we have explained God, if you will, and we also have explained our separate. And quantum physics tells us all the uh, subtle ways that we can we can use the oneness to make progress. In other words, we can become better human beings if we start using these potentialities that the oneness gives us access to. We agree, certainly. Uh, one of the terms we use, <coughs> excuse me, and we're not scientists, uh, my degree's in philosophy, and Ben is in uh, audio engineering. I'm almost there, but yes. not quite. Uh, is is the term the island theory? We feel that uh, people consider that all things are located within themselves, uh, their minds, spirit, whatever terms you wish to use. Uh, their knowledge is all within their bodies and brains. Uh, we feel that, uh, you know, as I'm sure you agree, is. Um, uh, a disservice to the idea of non-locality and that there is a unity, we use a capital U with that, uh, and that's the, the second term you have discussed, uh, a, a unity. We think of it in terms of the African idea of Ubuntu, almost, uh, where everything affects everything else, and uh, could you say something about your idea of the unity? Which you already have, but if you want to say some more, you can. <laughs> no, it, uh, it helps to go over again and again, from different slightly different parts of you. So what does the unity um, do then? So unity is a way of processing where you are one with what you are processing. In other words, in, in, the, in separateness, when we are spent some time, we become separated from the experiences that we have. So I experience objects that I see as separate from me. This is called subject-object split. So unity becomes split into a subject that feels itself, experiences itself separate, separate from the object of experience. In the unity consciousness, the subject and object become one. So what does that mean? What, may, what it means is that consciousness and its potentialities are all one, and now consciousness can process the potentialities by being them. So this, this ability of consciousness processing potentialities by being not being separate by just being one with them is a very powerful concept. It turns out that in creativity we do that. In creativity we process partly in the conscious, then we are examining our thoughts as separate from ourselves, then we allow them to go into this being, this being which is unconscious in us, so we don't see ourselves separate from our thoughts, but in that being we are examining, processing the thoughts the meaning much more intimately because they are one with us. And in that intimate processing, which is called unconscious processing in the creative process, very powerful things can happen. New stuff can be discovered. New stuff can be invented. And this is really where the power of quantum physics, power of that unity consciousness comes to us. Okay. I call it do we do we do because we do do is when we are conscious, B is when we become uh, this unconscious unity, where we can process so many things all at the same time. Ah. Before we get, I wanted to get into the notion of reincarnation, because you bring that up um, in, in your writings. But before that, I just wanted to mention, you know, I think perhaps that, uh, perhaps our... Um, uh, interpretation of many things in the Western tradition, particularly Western Christianity, is a misinterpretation of the earliest writings of Christianity, which uh, were very Eastern uh, originally. Uh, and I'm thinking uh, when you talk about you know, pe- people hear th- this thing from the Gospel of Matthew: "Love your neighbor as yourself." Big rule, uh, you know, that everybody considers it great. But if you read it in Greek. It says essentially, love your neighbor because he is yourself, which to us uh-huh. is an expression of the unity rather than one of isolation, because uh, spirituality very often in the West is, v- is very self-centered, which is very destructive in our opinion. So th- that's just a point, uh, that if people read things in the original language, perhaps they might understand them, but I yeah. don't know. But in any case, when it comes to reincarnation, uh, you do mention that, and I'd like you to explain uh, your idea of it. However, you also mentioned something already, uh, Einstein's theory of relativity. In 1952, 
he essentially was saying that that time is simultaneous and that time is a, is is a, a function of our consciousness. It has no objective reality. So, could you explain your idea of reincarnation and ask how it might be possible when there is no past for there to be past lives in Einstein's sense? Well, um, in the domain of potentiality, there is no past. Uh, that is true. But in the domain of actuality, time, this one-wayness of time is created because memory is created. Our memory is crucial to make that one-wayness of time. Looking at our memory, we can tell that some things were in our past and something is uh, less uh, in our past. Something was remote in our past, something is less in our past. So in this way, we have uh, given time a direction, uh, depending on which memory we are eliciting right now. I can think of memory of when I was very young. I can also think of memory of just yesterday. And that gives us a clear time sense from past into the present. So in this way, time is created through our memory. This idea is also part and parcel of uh, quantum so in the quantum worldview, we have time, and then we can talk about past incarnation uh, versus the present incarnation, and we can project into the future. We can say that whatever being uh, that I am, whatever character that I create, the propensities, the habit patterns, those patterns are stored in the non-local domain of potentiality. And mm. therefore, there is no time in that domain so this memory that I have created, non-local memory, that memory can also be inherited by a being in the future. So when that being is born and growing up, that being will be privileged by some of the propensities that I have developed in my being. Like, like I have developed uh, some abilities in this incarnation by um, being my uh, by ability of doing physics, my ability of understanding meaning, my ability of being creative. So all these abilities will be potentially inheritable by this baby in the future. And that baby could be called my reincarnation. Ah, so in this way, what it gives you a clear model of how reincarnation takes place. Okay. Uh, I, I, that's very intriguing explanation. Uh, one of the things that we, or the, I don't know, Ben's done it, but in the past I've always asked regression therapists, people who hypnotize you and supposedly bring you back to past lives, is have you ever talked to someone who believes that they are experiencing a life in the future or what, what to us would be the future, et cetera, et cetera, or uh, in an alien world, some some world you don't recognize, and almost inevitably they'll say yes. And they're beginning to accept the idea of parallel lives. Uh, would parallel lives fit into your your view of reincarnation? Yeah, rather than parallel, that. Life, parallel lives is a concoction of uh, materialist origin. Oh, okay. Materialists cannot, cannot understand the consciousness interpretation of quantum physics. In fact, they hate it because if the consciousness interpretation of quantum physics is correct, which it seems to be because it's experimentally verified, then scientific materialism is finished. That, that worldview is forever has to be abundant. So they always posit alternative views, and one of these alternative views is um, parallel universes. We exist in parallel lives, we live parallel lives, in each of these parallel lives is a, is a quantum life. So quantum physics suggests many possibilities. Each of the possibilities are lived in one of these parallel universes, that sort of concept. But it's not only a very wasteful concept, it does not even really explain the actual measurement problem. Ah. So, you know, now we are getting into technical issues, but the sum and substance of it is that, no, it's not parallel life, it's rather sequential life, reincarnation. That's what we really have. And this is much more exciting because you are defined by your character. So it's very important to build a good character, good patterns of habit, good patterns of learning. And, and, and why? Because that's the part of you that you take with you to your next life. So who are you is defined by more by your character than the storyline that you do. People get very hung up with the storyline, events of our life. No, that's not important. What I learn to achieve with myself, my creative process <laughs> that gives rise to new propensities, like learning to love, learning to be fair to another person, these are the important things of our life. So when we do that, then we 
when we reincarnate, we'll be privileged to having those abilities. And imagine how satisfactory life would be if we had that ability, if we had the ability of Mother Teresa's love, if we had the ability of Jesus' uh, making uh, water into wine. So, you know, um, we could do that if we realize that we all have the power, we all have the power to build our character on and on and on so that in the next incarnation I'll be a better person. Indeed. Ben, I don't want to be monopolizing the time here. Do you have a question? Um, I, ha- I have more more end of the line questions, but I, okay. I I kind of I guess this kind of segues into into a thought I I was think I was thinking about. Um, where do you feel, um, Doctor, is the the field of modern physics heading? I mean, I've I know that the most scientific disciplines. A, a very good friend of mine is getting his PhD at Cornell in microbiology, and he's very, very, very against anything that's not strict materialism. So every every time I get into an argument about him or, or or with him about you know anything that has to do with consciousness or existence, he immediately points to Higgs boson and then just is like, well, I don't want to talk about it anymore. Higgs boson, we're done. So, do you feel as if there's going to be a paradigm shift in the near future? Maybe maybe your 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 uh, postulation will be. Picked up. How do you feel about that? The upcoming world of of science. Uh, look, the, the situation has <coughs> been very, very wonderfully elaborated, elucidated by quantum physics. The, we don't need a uh, worldview polarization. The fact is that science and spirituality can be integrated and has been integrated in what we are calling the quantum worldview. So the future of the world is not scientific materialism. The future of science is definitely not confined within this very limited philosophy. So where will it go? I mean, scientific materialism, greatest power is revealed in physics. The, the new uh, paradigm is not going to have physics at the center anymore. It's consciousness at the center, which means that psychology and biology and medicine and social sciences will get more prominent. So is that a big loss? Not really. Physics has already lost its luster that it had in the 60s when we were going for, going for the moon, and we did. But as soon as we succeeded doing that, it just not coincidentally, you know, all the elementary particle physics problems that physicists were doing, they also got gradually solved. And now people still solve problems, but these problems are a problem, because the problem is that the models we make to solve these problems, like those of cosmology, dark matter, and stuff like that, we cannot do any experiments in the laboratory with them. Well, good example is, you know, okay, Higgs boson was discovered, fine. But the uh, theories that are behind uh, the present day stuff is, um, you know, they're called sometimes, uh, they're called by beautiful names like string theory or super string theory, but they cannot be verified. So neither cosmology nor super string theory leave much to do in the laboratory. And physics cannot just only be mathematics. Mathematics gives us many different answers depending on the assumptions that we are making. Unless we can verify them, we cannot sort them out. So science is a two-pronged process, and the experimental prong is lacking in high-energy physics. So physics in the form of high-energy physics is finished, more or less. This is my opinion. All right. So what is the what is the kind of science that is going to replace it? We are already talking about it. Paranormal science, the incarnation science, near-death experience science, living science, biological science, psychological science, medicinal science. These are the sciences that are going to flourish. Okay. Which is okay. The, you know, physics yeah. died say there, and I was very fortunate to be alive during those times. I enjoyed all the physics that I did, that I learned. But now it's time to move on. So this is why I'm more concerned about these other questions, non-physical questions, than uh, for the order of it. Okay. Uh, We have to take our bottom of the hour break. We'll be right back on Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WON 1240 in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley with our tremendous guest today, Dr. Amit Goswami. We'll be right back. Lou Mandeville here to tell you the only place to get your local high school and college scores, as well as the Pats, Bruins, Celtics, and Sox is on my morning sports reports. And they are right here on ON 1240, Monday through Friday on the Morning Fun Show. 
Well, welcome back to Behind the Paranormal after a brief break. Uh, there are a number of charities we have adopted on the show, including HelpForHaiti.com, uh, several veterans charities, and uh, a number of uh, others that are... We just put some new links on our websites to these. Please help if you can. Uh, we are very, very careful about checking uh, the uh, legitimacy of the charities that, that we promote uh, to make sure that the money goes where it is intended to go and not just to administration. So, uh, Ben, did you have something to say? Because oh, I do. Well, well, okay. I kind of, I kind of have a follow follow up to what uh, Dr. Goswami. Uh, let's get um, back to our conversation with Dr. Amit Goswami. Yes, I've, I've, I have a follow up uh, question to to this. Well, statement slash question. So you mentioned that there, that you know, we science is based on a, on a very you know long list of assumptions. You know, you know the the human the human body has two eyes, two arms, two legs. That that kind of thing, based on you know um, all all of our our assumptions about the world and our view of said world. Now you can kind of blame most modern science and most modern scientific assumptions on Rene Descartes. Sadly, one of the worst things. Nobody around here likes Rene Descartes. No, no. one of the worst things to happen to philosophy in 500 years, and. I think that not only did the whole idea of je pense donc je suis, I think therefore I am, not only ruined science, but it also ruined uh, society in in many ways. And you you mentioned sort of a quantum view of sociology. Now, uh, could you expand on that a little bit? Of course, um, this is very important. So, um, how is sociology? Um, how does sociology uh, find it? materialist roots that we see today. It's a very, very interesting thing because sociology is about development of human society. And human beings are fundamentally um, not uh, material beings, but evolving biological beings. And this evolving biological beings should have um, different kinds of society as it evolves. Um, anthropological data is very clear. Yes, in the, when we are hunters and gatherers, we had a mind which is a physical mind, mind that gives meaning to the physical world. So correspondingly, we should have, uh, we should find a society which are a society of people which uh, consists of physical mind. But there is a little bit of that in sociology, but, you know, not very much. Sociologists have taken the view that is separate from this evolutionary view of the human being that anthropologists are willing to consider because the anthropological data is very clear. After the physical mind comes the vital mind. Well, people live in um, horticultural era, which means that they do garden agriculture, small-scale agriculture. Men and women work together uh, like a family uh, farm, sort of, backyard farming, if you will. And uh, because men and women work together, they fight a lot, emotions come up, so naturally, mind has to give meaning to feelings, which is what emotion is. Next comes uh, large-scale agriculture, and as soon as that comes, there will be landowners who have a lot of time because they are hiring the people who don't have land. They are the serfs. Then they do all the work. What the landowners do? Landowners sit uh, up their feet on a, uh, a chair and uh, study, give meaning to things, give meaning to meaning itself. Uh, so literature is created, all kinds of good meaning stuff, processing stuff takes place, um, uh, and civilization is created. So this is the rational age, mind giving meaning to mind itself. In this view, what is the next step? Next step will be the intuitive mind where we give attention to the intuition. What do intuition give attention to? What Plato called archetypes, like love, beauty, truth, justice. And you can see this today. You know, today we live in a more fair society than ever before. We live in democracy. It could not be fairer than that. Um, uh, we have more love. Uh, you know, violence still exists, but it is much less, uh, irrespective of terrorism and stuff. Look, we are not having any world war. Although, you know, we have very um, uh, hot-tempered uh, presidents in two countries, and that makes us, the, makes us a little fearful, but it is still a fact that not crazy enough to actually begin a war. Uh, why not? The reason is that we are not as violent anymore. So I think the progress of civilization has to be captured in the picture of uh, sociology. And that is lacking because sociology has become very materialistic. Okay. Before we... Did, did you have something else, Ben? Oh, no, please. Okay. 
before we get into uh, Darwinism versus creative evolution, I'm sure everyone is wondering, in your view, Doctor, where does garden variety paranormal activity fit into the quantum vision here, the vision of quantum science, you know, ghosts, poltergeists, which Ben and I have both witnessed, uh, things of this kind. Um, uh, you do get into dreams in your book, but where, where does the paranormal fit in this vision? Paranormal fits very well. Paranormal fits very well because we have that non-locality, so instant propagation of information from uh, one place to another place or from one time to another time is allowed in quantum physics. Uh, sometimes people give arguments showing that no such meaning could not be transferred, but that's only true for the material dimension. The fact is that we are not only matter. We, our meaningful stuff comes from the mind, comes from the vital body, you know, body that we feel and the archetypes that we intuit. And those domains is where the non-local communication takes place mainly. Now, there are, of course, poltergeists and stuff like that, or uh, seeing ghosts, as you mentioned. But they have simple, simpler explanations, and those explanations are a little more uh, risky and a little more uh, speculative. But so be it. You know, we, we do not understand poltergeist, uh, which is a large-scale psychokinesis, today with um, quantum worldview as of yet. But that, that, that does not mean that you have to negate your experience. The thing is that we have enormous power of the new science because fundamentally it has the concept of non-locality. But it obviously needs to develop even more concepts, even further far-reaching concepts in order to explain some of the phenomena that we encounter as, as psychic phenomena. But, but what we have already accomplished, understanding reincarnation, which is also a paranormal phenomena, understanding telepathy, understanding <coughs> psychic healing. These are enormous achievements. You know, these things really are revolutionizing uh, the healing profession, uh, this psychic healing, distance healing, um, uh, spiritual healing, quantum healing. These are all, uh, these, were, these would all be labeled as paranormal phenomena uh, even 20 years ago. But today we just say, oh, this is just an example of quantum science. Okay. I want to give you a chance before we use up the hour to talk about your book. I'm holding it up <coughs> for those who have the video feed. The uh, <coughs> the Everything Answer book, How Quantum Science Explains Love, Death, and the Meaning of Life, which we're going to ask Dr. Uh, Gaswami about in just a minute. Uh, but in the meantime, Dr., please tell us about uh, the book, your other books, uh, your website, and where people can find out more. Well, uh, my website is omit at omit. Oh, that's the email. Sorry. <laughs> Wrong one. <laughs> Okay, amitgoswami.org, A-M-I-T-G-O-S-W-A-M-I dot O-R-G. If you write, I will definitely respond. That's the promise. Um, okay. The book, what can I say? It's, it's the simplest book that I have written, and it really is true. It explains everything. I mean, that, that's meaningful to you. I mean, it could explain everything potentially, but of course, you know, I didn't have the number of pages available to me to talk about everything. So I took the select few things that you really care about, like where did the universe come from, what is God, um, what is the meaning of life, uh, reincarnation, near-death experiences. Um, I even talk a little bit about economics and politics. So all the things that matter to you, I think, is covered in this book. And I want to create the impression that the quantum worldview can really give answers to everything that we care. Okay. What, um, I, I don't know if we have time to really get into Darwinism, but I, I, I did want to ask you. Yeah, give it a yeah. shot. <laughs> okay, well, I was going to ask, why, why should we pay attention to our dreams? That That's in the book as well. What's so important about actually, our dreams, Doctor? Actually, Dan, you could go into Darwinism. It does not take very long to establish the falsity of Darwinism. Okay. Just, just mention the fossil gaps and you have it. Or mention the biological arrow of time. Biological fossils go from simplicity to complexity. So, um, for this two phenomena, Darwinism has no explanation. Whereas if we assume that evolution is the evolution of consciousness, then we can explain the biological arrow of time, we can explain the fossil gaps as quantum leaps of evolution. It's all in my book, uh, Creative Evolution. So that's what I'm yes. going to say about evolution. Okay. okay. All right. Yeah. 
All right. Uh, but uh, where do dreams fit, and why should we pay attention to our dreams? Dreams is a different story. Dreams, on the other hand, is an ongoing story of our life. See, in the materialist view, you know, our storyline consists only of just that, storyline. What happened today, what happened yesterday, what friends I met, what food I ate, uh, how much sex I'm getting. Okay, so this is one level of activity that we have in the material world. But there is also meaning world. You know, am I living a meaningful life? I may be having uh, thousands of sexual partners, but if the sex has no meaning, the dreams will remind us of that, that your meaning life has dried up. You're doing the same thing over and over and over again. The meaning is gone long time ago, and it's, it's crying out loud, find dream, Amit, find dreams that will give you a sense of your meaning. It, I did that, you know, I was, I was supposed to clean up my act because I was trying to love my wife and um, I couldn't because I didn't know what love is. And, and, it, and the dreams were purgation dreams. I would see laboratories, bathrooms, toilets, every, in everything, every night. And I got so bored with that. And then finally I decided I'd better clean my act up. And as soon as I started clean up, all those dreams stopped. So dreams are very good reminder of where our meaning life is, where it is stalled, how can we set it right, and this is a very important part of life if we are searching for meaning, and many people are, because in this, one of the biggest uh, wrong outcomes of scientific materialism has been to veer us away from meaning and purpose to information. Information is other people's meaning. It does not satisfy us. What satisfies us is to find personal meaning, personal understanding, and good context of meaning. And these good context of meaning, the exciting context of meaning, are called archetypes. Love, beauty, justice, truth, goodness, wholeness, abundance, power, these are archetypes. When you serve the archetypes, find meaning of things like love or justice, then we feel very satisfied. So if you want to make your life satisfactory, if you want to make your life meaningful, if you want to make your life exciting, then you've got to pay attention to dreams. Hmm. Okay. Uh, I'd like to talk to you sometime about some of our dreams, which we share at times. Uh, On the issue of, uh, well, I suppose it might be cultural, uh, we have a love-hate relationship with Dr. Michio Kaku. Uh, I guess a lot of people do, but he makes the point that that might that might uh, sort of unite with your point in the sense that uh, it's it's primarily culture that stands in the way of a better society, or, or in your terms, perhaps stands in the way of a of a sort of quantum transformation of of society and understanding, etc. Uh, because as I've understood your point, you, you say that if from the paranormal point of view that uh, these, these powers, these awarenesses, these things would be, would be freed if we simply adopted the, the, the uh, reality of quantum reality, that sort of thing. And um, as Kaku says, it's, it's cultural. Do you agree with him that it is a, there are cultural barriers, that, that the, the culture of narcissism, as it were, or the culture of individualism is standing in the way of the realizations that you have talked about today? It, it, it's not the culture. It's the lens that we wear. It's the worldview that we discuss, not the culture. The culture is a product of the worldview. Look, oh, okay. Uh, when I was growing up, which is just, you know, in the 50s and 60s and 70s, when I was growing up, meaning was center of the American culture. Everybody was talking about meaning. No, notice the icons of the 60s, the Beatles. Why was the Beatles so popular? Because they were writing songs which are meaningful. What is the other icon? Women's sleeve. What is the other icon? Transcendental meditation. These were all talking about meaningful stuff. Life was meaningful. That was the perception of the time, and it was so exciting. What happens now? Life has become, under the ages of scientific materialism, only information processing. Meaning is gone. Purpose is gone. And this is why we um, have created a culture in which there is no excitement. It's so hum. Young people come to hear me in increasing numbers because they are fed up with 
living a life in which there is no feeling, no meaning, only information. And and that too is wrong. I mean, fake news is permanent. It's not just Donald Trump who generates the fake news. It's materialists who generate the fake news also. You know, they may not be putting up fake news for environmental stuff, which I uh, admire. They are good environmentalists, and that's good. But they generate fake news when talking about the quantum worldview, about consciousness. So it is that which is really uh, harming us or creating this false culture. As soon as we pay as soon as we start paying attention to truth, as quantum physics, experimentally verified truth of oneness comes forward, that yes, there is oneness. If everybody could just agree that the experiments that Aspey did, experiments that Greenberg did, was a real experiment, replicated experiment, they are telling us something, then the human beings are potentially connected, uh, then we can correct all this wrongness of our society, wrongness of our culture, within a matter of decades, just as we destroyed the rightness of our culture in terms of meaning in a just a few decades. The same thing will happen. We'll come back to this. Hmm. Okay. What, ben, did you, have, you said you had some sum-up? Uh, I already asked one of them earlier, so it wasn't really a sum-up as it was a follow-up. All right, so. well, I'll, I'll have a sum-up. I'll, I'll, I'll come up, I'll come okay. up with something. Don't worry. All right, now, we're, we're standing here. Uh, ben has a term that I kind of like, baby steps. You know, so that might be a beginning of how do we accomplish what you have, how do we accomplish uh, the change of awareness that we need to accomplish to to do what, what you have suggested can be done via quantum science and quantum awareness or whatever. Um, what, what steps should a, an ordinary person take to get away from the notions of scientific materialism and get into the, the, the greater understanding that you propose? So there are two things that are important here. One is the how we do it ourselves personally, and then how can the society do it. Yes. So per- personally speaking, I think the best track we can take is to pay attention to feeling, pay attention to dreams, especially if we can, pay attention to intuition. Those are the personal way to bring meaning and purpose back into life. Dreams uh, brings us meaning. Uh, paying attention to feeling gives us ability to judge intuitions because intuitions cannot be judged by thought, if they are valid or not. If they are just idle thought or is it something legitimate that I am pursuing. That verification has to come in your gut, has to come in your heart. And so because we don't uh, give value to feelings in our body anymore, no, we cannot gauge the veracity of uh, intuition anymore. This has to come back. So it's very important to uh, go to a Tai Chi master, uh, go to a yoga master, who those guys know about how to feel energies in the body. That is called vital energy. So that's a very important component. Dreams is a very important component. But the most important component also is start paying attention to these architects. Love, beauty, justice, truth. Especially, you know, archetype of abundance, that's the basis of our economics. Archetype of power, that's the basis of our politics. So when we are paying attention to what is happening in the political situation that we have, which, uh, you know, um, most people are forced to because we have a disaster uh, brewing in the political arena, this is actually a good thing. Why do these disasters happen? Because they bring back our attention to where it really counts. So what we really should do today is to see why is it happening, is to give meaning to, this is a very meaningful event, the election of Donald Trump as the president of the United States. The United States is one of the most meaningful democracies. It was regarded like that by everybody in the world in the 20th century. Why is it that in the 21st century we are so down in the estimation of other people in the world? Why did that happen? What is the meaning of that? We have to understand that. Meaning of that is that the crisis is created and crisis is always needed in order to change the society and culture into a new worldview. This happened in the days of Galileo and this is happening again. So it is happening again because a worldview change is imminent. With this worldview, we'll recognize that human being is a human being when it investigates potentiality. Without the potentialities defined, can we change? To what we can change. 
you know, everything that we already have been, machines can replicate. So we are going to be replaced by robots in the future if we don't pay attention to the potentialities that we have to go on investigating and reinvent the human beings and as robots catch up with us. Robots can never catch up with us because they have infinite potentialities to draw from. We can always change the human being to better and better and better and better. But we have to become aware. We have to have a worldview that takes us there. Quantum worldview takes us there because it has given us the creative process by which we can create new us, new me, every day and every day and every day. Oh, almost sounds like what we learned in the seminary so <laughs> much. Just just to, just to sum up, we have a question from Kevin. It just says he's from Ohio. And I guess he sort of brings us back to our core mission here. He says, please ask Dr. Dr. Goswami if, if he has had any paranormal experiences at any point in his life. So oh, Kevin yes, would like uh, to know that. Yes, quite a few. Um, actually, you know, synchronicities are very good paranormal experience in a way. They are non-local experience. I had strings and strings of synchronicity connected with every creative discovery that I ever met, and quite a few of them actually. So I have lots of stories to tell. Um, what people call paranormal experiences, with precognitive uh, experiences, for example, I did have precognitive dream. Um, one time, very striking, I dreamed that my colleague in the physics department at the University of Oregon is going to be against me. They all ganged up in me in the dream. And indeed, um, that's what happened three days later because um, three days later, the chairman of the department calls me and says, Amit, you are doing wrong physics. I said, how? And he says, well, you're supposed to do this, this, this serious physics. Instead, you are looking into the nature of consciousness. That's not allowed for the physicist. <laughs> I said, no, why not? <laughs> he says, consciousness is psychology. And, you know, that kind of argument is going nowhere. Uh, did I deviate? No, I didn't deviate. But did they deviate? No, they blocked all my prerogatives uh, from their arc. So I said, well, okay, but I still have my freedom to investigate what I want. Uh, let them have my money, it's okay. So, you know, that way. Uh, this this cognitive dream was, um, was uh, a very good uh, signpost for me because I uh, recognized uh, the power of the paranormal. Well, that, that's that's wonderful. And did, before we uh, we let you go, Doctor, I wanted to just uh, well give Ben a chance if you wanted to have another question. But I wanted to make a personal comment that again to thank you for the tremendous influence you have been on my life uh, with your profound um, and, and guiding thoughts. I hope I get it right, but um, I just think that that you. I hope you realize the good you do uh, for. People like me and, and and many others, I'm sure, Ben. Oh no, I, I I wholeheartedly agree. There there are a lot of things that you've said, uh, Dr. Goswami, that have really changed my worldview, and a, a lot of interesting perspectives. Even just this this one conversation uh, that we that we've had today, that you know, really really got me thinking. And I think that's you know you know baby steps, baby steps to the next step. Well, I think if we Thank have, you so much. Oh, go ahead. Thanks. Thank you, thank you so much for for uh, saying this. I deeply appreciate uh, the fact that you know I'm so fortunate to have touched the lives of a few people, and uh, all of you have also touched my life, keeps me inspired, and this is such a blissful life because of that. I live because of these inspirations I get from the work that I do, and it all becomes a dance of life which is the dance of non-locality and dance of creativity and all this paranormal that we are talking about. And, you know, life is such a wonderful thing. It and is. What is that movie? It's a wonderful life. It is just true. But we have to bring in this paranormal stuff, non-locality. That's the key word. We have to bring that in our life. Otherwise, it's not a wonderful life. It's a very dull life. And <laughs> that's what uh, people like Kaku talks about and they're lost. Very true. Well, Doctor, thank you so much. Uh, safe travel as you go home, and uh, we'll have you back on soon. Indeed. Thank you. Okay. Dr. Amit Goswami, everybody. 
Here's the book if you're looking at the screen, if you have the audio, uh, the video feed. Okay, Ben, what's uh, what do we have for announcements here today? Okie doke. So our first public appearance of uh, 2018 is scheduled for Saturday, uh, January 27th. It's a charity event at Cottage by the Bay in Dover, New Hampshire, to benefit the Miss Portland or Portland Miss Portsmouth Area Scholarship Program. We'll get to Portland. Uh, that's uh, five. That's from uh, five to eight p.m. on the. Uh, 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 and it's uh, $20, $20 per ticket per person, and you will get not only us, but a nice buffet dinner, and our subject will be Behind the Paranormal, Everything You Know is Wrong. Get the tickets through uh, the link on our main page. That's uh, BehindTheParanormal.com. Well, the holidays are upon us, and gift-giving time is near or here, and we suggest, of course, that you check our website, BehindTheParanormal.com or NewEnglandGhosts.com for uh, autographed copies of our books that are, of course, they're available uh, in bookstores and uh, Amazon and the usual suspects there. But uh, if you would like to have us autograph them for you, we would be happy to do that if you go to those websites and check our online bookstore. Uh, there is, of course, uh, the 2016 book, Behind the Paranormal, Everything You Know is Wrong, from Schiffer Books. Uh, then there was uh, also the Behind the Paranormal 2 Bigfoot, Mothman, and Monsters You Never Heard Of from Barking Cat Books. And we uh, would be happy to sign those for you as we go. We've written those together. And there are a bunch of books that I wrote uh, myself in days of yore uh, there there as well. Uh, so uh, I think that um, also having nothing whatsoever to do with our usual subject here, anybody in the local audience too, I would like perhaps Rhode Island, A Genial History, because I, I write about other things besides the paranormal. This was written with the late, great TV reporter and historian Glenn Laxton, whom everybody in the southern, uh, so- southeastern New England would know about. And much to our surprise, it's used in several school districts. Uh, <laughs> so uh, it is, I guess, for the AP students. Anyway, that's uh, also available at the bookstore uh, BehindTheParanormal.com or NewEnglandGhost.com. Okie doke. Uh Let's see here. So just to round it off, you can get uh, books that feature us also, or uh, one of us at least, uh, but we didn't write them via links at our online bookstore. These include uh, The World's Most Haunted House, The True Story of the Bridgeport Poltergeist on Lindley Street, and The Haunted House Diaries, The True Story of a Quiet Connecticut Town in the Center of a Paranormal Mystery uh, by uh, William J. Hall for both of those. Okay, so shock your family, fool your neighbors, and amaze Amit Goswami by visiting the online bookshop at BehindTheParanormal.com or NewEnglandGhost.com and uh, checking those things out. Uh, Okay, so what... um uh, we're doing some more with the YouTube channel, aren't we, Ben? Yeah, we're actually going to uh, uh, do some do some stuff today. Shoot shoot some things just to tide us over while uh, we work on some bigger production ideas. We've Should got, we uh, give them a hint of what it's about? Yes, actually, I, I weirdly enough, we we just talked about it, which uh, we're we're going to be doing a, a short case file uh, video. By short, I mean like fifteen twenty minutes. So it's not very short. Um, uh, the world's most haunted house, which uh, my father is probably one of the only surviving witnesses to. So we'll do we'll do a little little video about that, and hopefully have that up by either tonight or later on this week. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, yeah that'd yeah. be great. Uh, also on our website, you'll find direct links to the charities that we were mentioning, uh, usacares.org and others. Uh, check those out, please. What do we got next Sunday, Ben? So next Sunday, uh, that is December 17th. Wow, only a couple weeks till uh, the holidays are here. Uh, right here on ON 1240, our popular guest co-host, Shane Searway, will be back in the studio with us. And we well, actually, will... he won't. Oh, uh, we'll to... Shane will not be with okay. us in the studio. <laughs> uh, stay tuned on that, but we're out of time anyway. I'm Paul Eno. And I'm Ben Eno. Thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey. We shall see you next time. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.